Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host of the Modern Conservative Podcast. My name is Jonathan Harvey. We're here twice a week, anywhere from 30 minutes, 40 minutes to one hour, depending on the world, the topic, and my mood. Um, I want to give a big shout out to uh, Jake Oaks. And coming up on April, April 9th, uh, I mentioned this last week, and I kind of butchered it, but uh, I wanted to let you guys know he has an event. And uh, like I said, it's April 9th, and it's Liberty United. And it's on April 9th at 1230 at the Slopes Event Center. Jake does great, great events. I've been to a few of them. I spoke at a couple of them. And his he has a special guest. Her name is Amala uh, Epimunde, Epunobi. Excuse me if I butcher that, but I'm thinking it's Epunobi. She's actually a conservative TikToker, rather young. And uh, along on that night is Carlos Moreno, Eric Mustos, and uh, Richard Williams. And uh, also speaking at that event is Alvin Jackson. So if you get a chance, um, go to the event. It's in Draper. And like I said, it is on April 9th and is hosted by Jake Oates and Liberty United. So if you get a chance, visit it. You might see me there. Most likely you will see me there. And maybe we can chit chat at, at the event. Uh, today I have a special guest on. His name is um, Aaron Davidson. Davis, uh, Aaron is a what we call a concerned citizen, but it's a little bit more than that. He got himself in trouble by kind of protesting, well, excuse me, speaking up outside the door of a school board meeting. Actually, he received charges from the school district. So, Aaron, working through the show. Thank you. Thank you, John. Aaron, you know, I met you the other night at Jason's Preston's uh, cottage meeting, and you have quite of an interesting story. And uh, tell, tell people about yourself and why you are protesting. Well, excuse me. Excuse me. I didn't mean to use the word protesting. Um, because we all know, according to the government, you are a domestic terrorist now. That's according right. to the federal government, you are a domestic terrorist. But we look at you as, uh, as we say in the hood, Captain Save a <laughs> Save our kids. So tell us about yourself. Um, so actually, the thing that got me into this whole thing being a, a, a terrorist, I guess, was uh, <laughs> I started looking at vaccines back in the early 2000s and just saw what was going wrong with the vaccines. And um, when this whole COVID thing hit and they started mandating masks, I kind of had a glimpse into the future that it was going to lead to a COVID vaccine and a mandates on the vaccines. And so I became a terrorist uh, in order to <laughs> help stop. That's a stop joke this. for you serious people out there. That is a joke. Well, not according to the federal government, but to us, we're just concerned citizens. Okay, Aaron. That, that's right. Or parents. We're just concerned parents. parents. Exactly. Yeah. So back in December of, of 2020, we went to a, the Alpine School District to um, express our opinions about the face masks yeah, because they're going to be dis discussing face mask mandates at the Alpine School District and in American Fork, Utah. And we got locked out. Um, and the, the the administrator there that was outside with us kind of started getting anxious about the situation and he tried to go inside the building. So we unlocked the door and tried to go in and we pulled the door away from him. 
And we stayed outside and we kind of talked for a little bit. He called the police. The police came and there's a little incident in trying to get the door shut, which was illegal against the Open Public and Meetings Act. Uh, and then the guy got arrested for uh, disorderly conduct and resisting arrest. His name was uh, Dylan Anderson. So I started looking at the code as to what disorderly conduct really was. And so I started knowing, knowing the code and I started reading the Open and Public Meetings Act. And uh, come April 27th, uh, 2021, there was another meeting that the American Fork, I'm sorry, the Alpine School District was going to have on the face mask mandates for the rest of the year and the coming year. And uh, about 75 parents and children showed up at the, at the school board meeting to express their opinion uh, of what they felt about the mask mandate. But we got there and again, we were locked out. The doors were locked and we couldn't get in. I called, I had learned the code. I knew what was wrong and that that was illegal to do. So I called the American Fork Police Department and they connected me with Sergeant Lunt. And I asked him, hey, Sergeant Lund, is someone going to come out here? And he said, somebody went by, but didn't see a disturbance, so we left. Turns out, through a grammar request, I, had, I got that videotape. He videotaped himself in, the, in that conversation. Uh -huh. uh, there was another sergeant. Sergeant Garcia was in the car with them and videotaped it. And they were across the street filming us as he said that somebody drove by and didn't see anything and they weren't going to come by. So I said, I want someone to come and talk to us in person. And he said, no, no, we're not going to come out. I asked him three times, is somebody going to come out and talk to us? And he said, no, I answered that. No one's coming out. All while they were there across the street in an unmarked police car filming us. Now, was he actually there filming you? Was he? What? So Officer Garcia was on the passenger side and he was on the driver's side of the car. And so from the passenger side, you could look forward and see across the street. And in his film, you could actually see me talking on the phone because mm -hmm. I walked out toward the street so I, so I could hear. Um, and so, yeah, he, they were filming us because I'm in his videotape. And he's him saying, <laughs> telling us three times, no one's coming out. No one's going to come out. And they were there the whole time. So what he was really saying that we are here, but we just don't want to talk to you. We don't want to divulge that we're here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and during that time, he was also texting with uh, uh, um, Mike Downing. Michael Down Mike, I'm sorry, Mike Browning. Mm -hmm. Mike Browning is the... Uh, manager of operations at the Alpine School District. And they were texting back and forth and they were using phrases and having LOLs and smiley faces saying, good camera angle, good job. You know, all while trying to keep this out. And Mike Browning was just before, like a half hour before we came, he was saying, hey, do you want to come in for some food? Uh, trying to kind of <laughs> lighten the spirit and bribe him a little bit with food. So this text was going back and forth between the police officer and the Alpine School District uh, operations manager. So, so now, just, is the operation manager, is he law enforcement as well, or is he just a school no, district he's just employee? An employee? He's not even, he's not considered what they call an officer. He's just kind of an advisor along with the uh, Alpine School Board and mm -hmm. the school district. So 
after the officer denied, refused to come three times, uh, there's a gal there with the microphone. It's kind of just talking so people could hear us. And uh, I made a few statements and someone said, hey, let's knock on the door. So I go, that sounds like a good idea. So there are about, like I said, I think 20 kids, maybe three or four adults that were, you know, we were just kind of slapping on the door because yeah. knocking on the door with your knuckles really hurts. We weren't pounding. It was just kind of slapping on the door. And uh, I got that videotape from the school district the, the, that they made from the outside cameras that they have. And we knocked on the door for a minute and 13 seconds. And I actually knocked on the door for eight seconds because I was still talking on the megaphone. So I turned around and okay. knocked on the door for eight seconds. And that's what we were charged for. But the interesting thing is the day after the event, I sent a, a complaint to the attorney general's office because under the OPMA code, uh, the attorney now, what's general, that for those who don't know? Open and Public Meetings Act. Okay. So that's a Utah statute that governs what government entities have to have open meetings for the public to attend. Right. Such as a school board meeting. And that's specifically stated in the OPMA code. Okay. So I sent a complaint to the attorney general's office because in the code, it said the attorney general's office has jurisdiction over that code and prosecutes the code. Um, and three weeks. So in the complaint, we, you know, I, I stipulated the exact part of the code that they violated because they had what they call a majority of the, of the school board was there, which makes that location called an anchor location. And since it's an anchor location, by law, they have to provide facilities for the public to make comment at that location. Um, and so I made that complaint. <clears throat> Three weeks later on October 9th, I'm sorry, April, May, May 19th, I got an email from the attorney general's office saying that they had been in communication with the Alpine School District and said that the Alpine School District acknowledged their error and have committed to fix it moving forward. So they acknowledged they had an error. And that was like it. They sent it at 320 something at four o'clock. So like 42 minutes later. the Michael Browning sent an email to the American Fork Police Department saying they want to press charges against me and Brittany Lindsay for disruption of meeting and disorderly conduct. Now, before you go any further, Aaron, let me ask you this question. Now, okay. at that point in time, have you been approached by the American Fork police officer in an official capacity? Um, actually, they didn't approach me. I called them the next day. I called and talked to Sergeant Lunt again, mm -hmm. expressing my concerns about them and their breach of their responsibilities. Um, specifically also referring back to the disorderly conduct because they disrupted the meeting. Because if you read the uh, code, the disorderly conduct code, part of that code says uh, an individual is guilty of disorderly conduct if obstructs vehicular or pedestrian traffic in a public place or an official meeting. 
So by locking the by locking us out, they were actually uh, obstructing our pedestrian traffic into an open meeting. So they were actually in violation of that code. And the part of the code that they were trying to charge us against is uh, makes unreasonable noises in a public place or an official meeting. Of course, we weren't in the official meeting, but um, we I guess they thought we were unreasonably noisy because they could hear us inside. And so that was that was back to my earlier question. So, but did the police show up, confront you guys at the door where you're supposed to be making all the noise? No, they didn't. No. So my next they question is, come. so basically we all can have charges pressed against someone via an email without the police ever showing up. Well, you know, I, the police were there uh, across the street. So as I, I called the police, uh, you know, they were across the street filming us. Um, so they could see that we were knocking on the door. But we but had they obviously right to... didn't think it was illegal. <laughs> right. And, you know, in, <laughs> in his police report, he said that he feared for, the, for our safety because we were knocking on the window and was afraid it was going to break. But really? apparently he must not have been too concerned because he didn't come across the street and stop us. And that's my point. If it was if it's such a obtrusive knock at the door, you would think the police would have recognized that came over and said, hey, look, you guys can't be doing that. Or you're going to break the glass and hurt yourself. But right. that conversation never partaken. No. So and there's another uh, school board meeting on the 11th. And so I actually went to the police department and talked to Officer Lunt and, uh, I'm sorry, Sergeant Lunt and Lieutenant Paul. And we discussed that incident uh, that happened on April 27th. And he said to me, he said, I saw nothing more than parents exercising their First Amendment right. Now, is he a so witness? So on the 11th, <laughs> on the 11th, he acknowledged that we were exercising our right to be heard. And then on the 19th, he pressed charges, charges against us for making unreasonable noises. So I guess we have to figure out what's unreasonable noises. What's their definition of, what's code on unreasonable noises? Because last time I checked, anything before 10 o'clock PM, you can be as loud as you want. Sound curfew. You, you know, that's right. But that, the only thing that I've seen from the evidence that they've given me is they considered it, considered it unreasonable noises because they could hear us inside. I, so you mean the school board can hear you on the inside? Yeah, the school board outside. knocking on the doors. So what constitutes unreasonable when the doors are supposed to be open? A reasonable, a reasonable mind would knock on the door, given that it's supposed to be open. Correct. And you're holding some kind of public forum by code allowed to attend. So you're knocking on a door. Maybe the door was closed by accidentally and you guys didn't know. Yeah, and also by code, there's a there has to be a certain portion of the meeting for community comment. Um, and typically you can speak it during that community comment for three minutes 
So can that's we consider, what my understanding was. Yeah. So can we consider that minute and 13 seconds are part of our three minutes that they should have been listening to us? Because we were actually knocking during the community comment section of the of the meeting. Now, who was actually in the meeting then? If they were locking you guys out, who was on the opposite side of the door? Was it people for masking? Um, no, they didn't. They allowed a group of uh, students and teachers in that were receiving some recognition for things. Um, I'd have to go back and, and review the, uh, the videotape again to find out who they were, but there were some citizens in there, uh, but not necessarily people that were for or against the mask mandate. And so my, I guess my next question is, now when they do the citizen awards, or teacher awards or accommodations, do they allow the public in there as well normally? Because I normally, don't know. Yes. They do normally, normally allow everybody. Yes. So it's basically one room full of people and everybody, you know, voice their beasts yeah. or, or grievances with the school board and some of their policies. Yeah. So well, here's another thing. Yes, sir. So I went back to the school board meeting, oh, probably four weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And they had some. Uh, recognition of teachers and students like they always do. And there were actually a pretty good number of people recognized at that meeting. There were probably at least uh, 12 to 18 people that were recognized. Mm -hmm. So there were a good group of people that were, in, were being recognized. And after they're recognized, uh, the school board announces or the, the, the lead guy says, you know, hey, now that you've been recognized and that portion of the meeting's over, if you'd like to leave now so you don't have to sit there and listen to the rest of the meeting, you can leave now. And so most of them got up and walked out and they were in the lobby and being quite noisy in the lobby. And I could hear them. So was that, should that be considered unreasonable noises? It's only unreasonable raise? when it's a topic they don't want to talk about. It's only yeah. unreasonable so when charged? it's, yeah, you, they should be charged. I mean, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. That's right. That's the way I look at it, you know. But if they want to take and hold people accountable because they're trying to get into a public forum that technically and legally should have been open, and you're tapping on the door and knocking on the door and saying, let me in, let me in, let me in. The doors are locked. We can't get in. I'm not. Well, I guess my next question before I go any further, did anyone actually come to the door and say, no, no you can't come in? No. No, they had cameras on us. So, uh Mike Browning was actually manning the cameras. So he knew who was knocking on the door. So they weren't going to come out and, you know, see who was there because they had security cameras on us. Now, how many of you were affected by the police? So there were only two of us charged. So how, many, how many people were for a volume with you outside the door? There were in total, there were about 75 people there. Holy hello. Holy hell. So they really didn't want to hear what anybody, because um, I guess they assumed that all these parents were anti-maskers. Correct. So they knew that from the get-go. So my next yeah. question is, I wonder, did they anticipate everybody coming? So they closed the door way prior to you getting there? Or did they look out the door and say, oh, hell, here comes all these concerned parents. Let's shut the door. No, uh, there's actually a gal that went to the police station earlier that morning 
and uh, solicited their help saying, we're going to go to this meeting. We've been being locked out. Uh, we want your help to get in. So we want you to, to be there uh, because we know that the Open and Public Meetings Act says that we have access, we should have access to that meeting. So they knew that we were coming and, and uh, through, through, the, uh, through a grammar request, uh, we found out that the officers actually got there about a half hour before we did. And they were sitting there waiting for us. So I guess now we're going to speed up a little bit. Now, did you get arrested? You know, it was a paper arrest. So if you look at the police report, it has an arrest date. Uh, but it was, it was an arrest mainly through summons. So it was just an information that was filed and a summons to appear. Uh, I did, this is the interesting part of it. Since there was a, an arrest on paper, I was given a fingerprint order where I was ordered to go give my fingerprints under the duress of having a warrant issued for my arrest if I didn't appear at least the day before my arraignment. Um, started reading the code and rules a little bit and I found something that I found said that I shouldn't have to give my fingerprints unless there was a, a specific constitutional need for me to have it. So I wrote a motion to dismiss the fingerprint order, but it was only five days before the arraignment and legally they have 10 days to respond. So they didn't respond. So I went ahead down, I went down and gave my fingerprints. Um, and when I walked in, I said, I'm giving my fingerprints under duress uh, because I don't think I should have to, but I don't want a warrant issued for my arrest and having the another class B misdemeanor, you know, added to the, the charges. Um, so I gave my fingerprints. And as I'm turning around to walk out the door, the gal that took my fingerprints, uh, Jody Frost, who happens to be the mayor's wife of American <laughs> Fork, um, said, that'll be $25. And I turn around and go, $25? $25 for what? And she goes, it's a fingerprint service. And I go, no, I was ordered to come and give my fingerprints. It's not a service. It's a service to the court, but it's not a service to me. So I'm not going to pay it. And she goes, okay whatever. So a week later, I get charged for stealing services for not paying that $25 to have my fingerprints taken. What they ordered you to take, or if you didn't take it, you would be issued a warrant. Right. Correct? Yes. Wow. And that's American Fort, correct? Yes, that's the American Alpine School District. Alpine School District is the originator of all this headache. Mm -hmm. And that one even gets a little bit more interesting because um, they issued the information or filed charges against me on Monday. And mm -hmm. that following Friday, I had a, a, a pretrial hearing already scheduled for the first two charges. So they charged me on Monday, but didn't send it on time. So they actually kind of sent it on Tuesday, the summons to be mailed to me. Mm -hmm. um, so when I appeared on Friday, I hadn't received that summons yet. So they, we talked about, you know, I had my pretrial conference on the first two charges. And then the judge goes, well, how do you want to plead on the second charges? I go, what second charges? And he goes, the stealing service charges. And I go, stealing service? I, well, I don't know what you're talking about. And he goes, you had your fingerprints taken. You didn't pay for, this, for the, the fingerprints. So it's stealing services. 
And I go, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. He goes, well, how do you want to plead? I go, I don't have any understanding. I can't plead against that if I don't know what you're talking about. And he just said, well, I'll go ahead and summarily enter a not guilty and we'll take it up later. And I go, no, I don't want that. He goes, well, I have the authority to do it. So I'm going to put a not guilty plea. So I was actually able to, on those on that charge, I did I submitted a motion to dismiss on uh, grounds of, oh, dang it, what's the word? <laughs> um, due process. So lack of due process mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. lack of notification of due process. And in that motion, the judge actually agreed with me. Uh, so they dismissed that without prejudice means that they can bring it back to me if they want to. Right. Uh, but he did he did dismiss those charges because I read the rules and they that was an infraction of rules six A and six B and ten A of the uh, rules of criminal procedures of the of the of the courts. Uh, so so there the are courts and not process. The... Yeah, it's the rule, not statute. So mm-hmm. it's rule, their rules that they violated. So based upon their rules that they violated, they dismissed those charges without prejudice. Um, so I did get. Those I don't charges. think courts. I don't even rules. I don't think courts should have the ability to create rules that can put you in jail. It should be the legislature. Yeah, it couldn't put me in jail, but the if you remember the bar, you have to follow the rules. I'm not a member of the bar. I'm, I'm representing myself pro se, which means by myself. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm not representing myself. I am myself. In court. You. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you can't say you represent yourself. I am myself in court. And I don't, I can use the rules. I don't know if I have to actually abide by the rules because those are bar rules. Bar rule, yeah. They have to abide by the rules, but it's best if you do abide by the rules, if you're in there pro se, but sometimes you can use them, sometimes you can't, but I can always use them against them. And so the, I did get that dismissed. So where are you at now in all this, all this mess? Are you done with them? Are you still fighting them? No, so I, I had a, uh, a hearing for my motion. I submitted a, a very lengthy 22-page motion to dismiss. And I had my hearing on that last Friday. And the judge said I brought up some very good points, but they were all kind of evidentiary type of points. And he says, I, w- I want to hear the prosecution side of it. So I want to go take this to trial. So I have my trial date set for Cinco de Mayo. Oh, the fifth day of May. So I'll have to be eating some tacos on my court date. Okay. So... You think they're going to uh, punish you or you think you're going to be able to what's the what, what's the penalty you're looking at? Um, Just say, cash. No, so interesting on the first part of after we after I submitted my motion to dismiss and mm-hmm. uh, Brittany Lindsay has a lawyer and he issued a motion to dismiss on slightly different grounds They're kind of similar motions, but different. Mm-hmm. Um, they dropped the uh, disrupting a meeting charge, which was actually a, a heavier ch- 
heavier penalty. It was uh, 1900 bucks or six months in jail and or six months in jail. They dropped that charge. So the only charge that's remaining is the disorderly conduct charge, which is classified as a, an infraction. And the judge said the most that that can be is $1,400, but he said that he's never imposed that $1,400 on anybody. So it's somewhere less than $1,400 with, uh, and it's just classified as an infraction rather than a misdemeanor. But it's, what's confusing me is this disorderly conduct charge. You're outside. Yeah. There's no meeting that you're been disordered in per se. Now I can see if you're on, on the opposite side of the door, but to be outside in public on the steps where you have a right to protest, you may not have a permit, but you have a right to protest. Why can't that be construed as under your, your freedom of expression? Now you did knock on the door, but how, that's not co- uncommon to knock on a closed door no. when you're supposed to be able to get in. So at what point, I mean, you're in public. What grants disorderly contact? Because there's no order there at a time anyway. Where's the order at? It, I don't see the grounds that they have. In, in the motion to dismiss, there have been several cases, even involving school boards, um, that they have lost. So, I mean, the, the school board is lost. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have that right. And that was all in on the, uh, the motion to dismiss. That was all included. Do you think you'll be able to get the, the, uh, the uh, disorderly conduct? Or are you going to trial? You think, think they the- want to spend that kind of money on a trial? With disorderly conduct? You know, the lawyers always win. They get paid. <laughs> well, but this time, are you going to be paying yourself? <laughs> yeah, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, they always make money, whether they win or lose. They always make money. But, yes, uh, they do. you know, I just uh, find this is rather interesting because uh, the disorderly conduct I don't see where the disorder is when it was in an order session involved. You're outside standing on the steps. You're knocking on a door, which is normal. The doors should have been open. Why would right. that be disorder? Because they didn't want it. Well, on the, I mean, you know, cops can trump up. Man, look, I support the police. I do support the police. Don't get me wrong. But when the cops are in the pocket of some organization, or some union, or some school boards, you know, they can trump up a charge, but necessarily, what it, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the right charge to trump up, because I don't right. see where the disorderly is when there's no order standing outside on the public steps of a public meeting that they have the doors locked in. So if you knock on the door, you would think that's what we would do, because you can't call the school board and say, hey, um, school board chair. Hey, will you come open the door? You don't have that access. Right. So, you know, I just think um, in Utah, now people don't realize this in Utah. Our school boards really suck. 
they really suck. Every yeah. single one of them, for the most part. All the way to Murray, the, the Granite, the Canyon, Alpine, they all suck because when the mask mandate came out, until this day, they're still making kids wear masks. Now, I don't even understand that. Why are kids still wearing masks in schools? Especially when there's no mandate. When then we have a law now that says you can't mandate people to wear masks. I need to call my buddies at the Senate because last time I checked, there were no exclusions as far as the school state board of education. Right. So, and I'm personally going to be dealing with that with my own little girl. Half the people wearing masks and half aren't. I know it's a choice, but the school has a big old sign on the door, mask required. I would think if there's no mandate required by the state, those masks, those signs should not be allowed and be posted on the doors giving. They can't enforce it because the state said, no, you can't do it. They actually shouldn't be posted even in businesses. And uh, it actually goes against uh, DOFL, which is the Department of Occupation and Professional Licensing. Um, I called DOFL uh, 2020 sometime, like in May of 2020. Um, it might have been 2021. It was when they released, it was 2021, sorry. When they released the health mandate, and I called Doppel and said, you know, these stores that still have face mask mandates on, they're in violation of uh, of Doppel regulations because they're they are practicing medicine without a license because face masks have been designated as uh, a medical device, which would require a prescription in order to use a medical device. Said, you know, you're right, um, but Doppel's not going to do anything about it because it's too small of an issue uh, to enforce. Well, too small of an issue to who? To whom? Him, maybe. But to us, yeah. it's a big issue. It's a big you know, issue. I've got an event that I'm supposed to be at on Monday at the uh, Boys and Girls Club in Salt Lake City. They're asking me, they're asking us to wear a mask. Now, I will, I refuse to wear a mask, just won't do it. So I'm probably, probably not going to end up going. And it's unfortunate because it's about teaching kids entrepreneurship, how to become an entrepreneur. And um, <clears throat> my thoughts are, and others around me said, look, you've been true to your word. Why would you change it now? Because the minute you put a mask on your face, somebody's going to say you're a hypocrite because there's going to be other people there. So right. I truly believe that the mask, I'm hoping the mask slowly will disappear in the state of Utah. Uh, it looked like the trend is, uh, you know, getting rid of the mask, but, you know, right now we're fighting house bill 60 when that's the bill where we're trying to get rid of the vaccine passport. Cause there are businesses thinking that we should, they should have the right to ask for passports when we walk in the door of their businesses. I'm completely agree with that. What's your thoughts on that, Aaron? So after that meeting in this, after the charges were pressed against Dylan Anderson in December, there were five, five parents that uh, arranged a meeting at the American Fork Police Department. And we went there and said, you know, you guys are violating uh, 
the Open and Public Meetings Act with this, and we were fighting for, um, you know, getting the face mask off of our children. Mm-hmm. And we want we want to know what you can do. And they basically said, you know, this is a civil rights issue. We can't do anything if it's a civil rights issue. So I kind of looked and I go, that's interesting. So if you're saying to me, a store could put up that no blacks are allowed into their store. And they said, yes, they could. It would be a, a civil rights violation, but they would have to file a civil rights lawsuit against the store in order to have anything done to them. And so it's kind of the same thing. It's like, but it costs money to do that. Um, a lot of money. And so stores and schools, you know, I think they're just hoping that nobody files a lawsuit against them because it's, a, and, and in that, going back to that meeting, so that was with the chief of police and the city prosecutor were both in there. And they said that, that, you know, they, they could have that sign of no blacks. And I go, I go, you guys would have made really good officers and, and um, prosecuting attorneys back in the 50s and 60s. You would have fallen right in line. <laughs> and they got really upset at me for saying that. <laughs> but it's true. Um, you know, the face mask is what, what, the, uh, uh, what, what it was in the 50s and 60s for the Blacks. And so we're fighting that battle. And, you know, you're exactly right, because I have given the analogy that if a store owner can make me get a business can make me get vaccinated or make me put on the mask. And that should be his right. Then who are you to tell us a store owner he can't discriminate? Right. Who are you to tell another store? If it's his business, who are you to tell me he can't discriminate? No one wants to answer that question because they know the ugly truth about it. You know, and if it's a civil right issue, where's the ACLU? I haven't heard from those guys in months, years, when it comes to civil right violation. Because civil right violation is all over the country right now, but you don't hear anything from the ACLU. Back in the day when I was a kid, they would sue you so quick, your head was spent. Yeah. And now that's no longer the case. Well, we got we got about a minute left. Do you have any um, parting words you'd like to express to the people, the listeners, and information you'd like to give them? You know, I just think people need to be awake enough to see in the future as to where these mandates are going. Not necessarily, oh, I can't, I have to wear a mask now. It's not about wearing a mask now. It's what it's leading to. The masks led to uh, the vaccine mandates. The vaccine mandates are going to lead to you know, other restrictions, which are going to lead to other restrictions. It's got to stop now. And if you're not fighting for it, uh, you're on the wrong side of history. And also, you, you know, guys, here's another thing I want you to know. Here's my little tip for 2022. If we have a nuclear war, the mask will not save you. <laughs> for those of you who think it will, it will not. Aaron, I appreciate you being on. We're going to close again. Hey, John, and, uh, that was great. Uh, my name is John Harvey. I'm your host of the Modern Conservative Podcast. Love you all.